Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah. Oh. Sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. It's the Marketers Report. This week, Patrizia Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on the difficult task of building and retaining consumer trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy, and we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. The best thing for us to do is to build a relationship with our consumers. And if those consumers have a relationship with the DJs that are on air, then we want to build on that. House of the Dragon, which was one of our most successful, if not the most successful campaign we've ever done for a show, audio was a core part of that. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. Not just a media company, iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Welcome to a Celtic State of Mind, I'm Paul John Dykes and today I'm delighted to be joined remotely by Lawrence Conley. Where are you calling in from, Lawrence? I'm calling from Rutherglen, only a mile or so from Paradise, mate. 
Paradise, that's been a long time since we were there. It's been a long time. How how big a part is that playing, do you think, in Celtic's current malaise? Uh, huge, mate. I think it's absolutely huge. I mean, every player that plays there says, you know, the fans, they lift as they drive us on. It's definitely missing, you know. I think it's easier for them to drop performance, uh, you know, and not hit top gear when mm-hmm. they don't have that interaction with the supporters. Uh you know, it's incredible pressure the team's under, isn't it? You know, four trebles, possibly five in a row, and ten in, and ten in a row titles. Incredible pressure, especially now they're not playing well. They could really be doing with every little bit of help they could get. Yeah, I mean, it is a massive amount of pressure, Lawrence. I think when we look at the, the team, and they were praised just the other week there by Neil Lennon, uh, they are used to that kind of pressure. Now, I know that we've brought in six new players, but obviously El Yunus, has been part of the team for a year. He knows the demands, he knows the standards. So five new players coming into the squad, that's fair enough. But I think when you join a team like Celtic, you know uh, the demands of that. Um, so on one hand, we get a lot of fans saying, well, a lot of these guys aren't interested in 10 in a row, but then on the other hand, you know, they're buckling under the pressure of 10 in a row. I'm of the view that if you join a big club like Celtic, you know that you're there to win titles. So you you know what the standards are in front of you. Now, we're getting loads of great messages coming through. Um, so, uh, Robert Highland, good afternoon. Welcome to the show. Philip DeMarco uh, and also Tosh Bear, Grouse Jr. Malone, that which is the name of the day. But uh, we will be engaging with as many of you as possible. The Axon Bulletin um, has become our staple diet, Lawrence. And uh, obviously, even with the restrictions in terms of travel, we're still going to go ahead and speak to people like yourself. Um, and apparently you're from Ruggie, not Rutherglen, according to Robert P. Arborkel. Yep. You know, uh, it's true. It's Ruggie. I mean, I'm actually from Whitleyburn. I just stay in Ruggie. <laughs> you know, but uh, it's true. It's more commonly referred to as Ruggie or Ruglan. Well, I mean, on a day-to-day basis, obviously we cover uh, Celtic news topics and discussions. And I was talking to someone yesterday from the Scottish media who who asked me the question, how on earth can you speak about Celtic every single day on the show? Uh, it's particularly easy. I mean, when we're talking after an hour, Lawrence, we could go on and on because there's so many comments coming in. And, uh, you know, that's what's key to it. So apologies if sometimes we go through shows and we don't get uh, more people involved. It is always our intention to get as many folk involved as possible. Now, I understand that a lot of the things we're talking about are are dividing uh, people's opinions, Lawrence. But what I don't want to do is I don't want to fall out with fellow Celtic fans over it. Let's have a chat. Let's have a debate about it. Um, So, you know, there seems to be two camps at the moment. Um, There seems to be a fair bit of silence from Celtic Park. I mean, a lot of fans noticed yesterday their social media, which is normally constant, particularly at this time of year, um, you know, there was nothing. It was just like you could hear a pin drop on Celtic social media. Yeah, website mm. getting updated. I think all we got was the the, the ladies six two win over Hibs, wasn't it? Uh, and the website's been updated, but don't worry, you can still buy stuff from the shop. <laughs> yes, <different>. yeah, <laughs> I know. I, I I made that point with the Christmas advert as well. You know, what's the message here? Buy the jersey. Uh, John Sweeney, nothing changes. We carry on as before going into games. No game plan, no tactics, no defence. I think uh, previously we looked at the game against Lille as an opportunity to get back on track. How many times have we heard that this season? Get back on track, you know, after the, um, the disappointment uh, of the previous results. 
against Aberdeen, AC Milan and of course Rangers. And it looked for about an hour that we were back on track. You look at that, that French league, they're still sitting second. Cracking result even to this day. And in many ways, we threw away a two-goal lead. Uh, and that's how I'm viewing the European games at the moment, Lawrence. Trying to get back on track because, you know, contrary to some people's belief, at no point did I ever want to see a goal scored against Celtic. Never mind a defeat, never mind a draw. I was cheering like everybody else when Luxalt scored the equaliser against Hibs. I still want Neil Lennon to turn this round. I don't have a vendetta against Lenny or anyone at Celtic because Celtic are the priority. Um, but, you know, what happens if we go against Sparta Prague and play like we did the last time we faced them and it was a weak inside we faced? Um, I, I fear on Thursday night, if nothing changes as John suggests there, I fear that we're going to be on the end of a hiding. Yes. <clears throat> I mean, think about it. Who's nailed down their place in the Celtic team? In that first 11? You know, if I said there's no tactics, no change, a lot of this is down to the players. are all underperforming, you know. It's, some it's down to the tactics, something it's down to shape, but a lot, the players have got to take huge responsibility for that. The level of performance and the schoolboy errors that some of them are making. Well, on that point, Lennon, uh, Lennon, calling you Lennon now, <laughs> Neil Lennon on the brain. Uh, on that point, Lawrence, if that's the case, right? Let, let's say, right, that's the case. Let's put it on the players at the moment, right? Now, if that's been the case all season, and a coaching staff led by Neil Lennon, who's the manager, who should be making the decisions and should be the leader in that in the realms of the coaching staff, if he has failed to turn that round and get a tune out of the players. If we're blaming the players, right? If that's the well, argument. I, I, I'm saying it's a mixture. I'm not saying it's all the players are all... No, I, I take that. I totally get that because you're looking at a lot of the form. I mean, let, let, even one player, El Yanusi, you, you watch him against Motherwell, who scores a hat-trick. Yeah, against Hibs, he looks like a different player. So, yeah, yeah. I, total, I totally get that. So who is... If, if Lenny can't get that consistency out of them, um, who can? Is it a case... Because, again, I know that over the weeks, uh, Lawrence, you were very much... You and I had some great debates over the, the last few weeks about it's Lenny and, you, and you're supporting Lennon. And I'm not against Lennon, but I, I, I am blaming him for a big part of this. Um, is, is that still where we are in terms of this debate? Are you still on the, the, the side of Neil Lennon staying at Celtic? Uh, I think there's been a change in Lenny coming out the last few games saying, can't defend him, can't defend him. He, ultimately, he, he's got to be the guy that has the answers, isn't he? Ultimately, mm. you, you, you know, he leads the team. He sets the team out. And if he's out of answers, if that's what he's saying, it's a bad place for any football manager to be, isn't it? To be out of answers. When when I was looking at it, no, you're spot on, Lawrence. When I was looking at the game against Hibs, um, and I was actually, I spent the morning in, in um, the studio speaking to a Hibs fan who didn't travel out with the area that I'm in, by the way, um, talking to a Hibs fan. And it was quite a good insight, actually, because he was giving us it from the other side, you know. Um, and what he was actually saying to me, which I found interesting, because sometimes you don't think like this. He's talking as a Hibs fan who was brought up uh, from his father and his grandfather, all being Hibs fans, talking about the fact that there's a mentality that Celtic will always beat you. And he says the mentality has been, you know, until recently, that Rangers would always beat you. Um, and it's ingrained in the fan base and it's ingrained in the psyche, um, not just in the last 10 years of domination from Celtic, he says, but beyond that, his whole football support in life, you expect to be beat by Celtic. He says, but this season, that fear is gone. 
He actually says that fear is gone. So they're coming into the game at the weekend. They are thinking, we want a result. We, we're going to get a result here. And of course, the way the game went, they were absolutely devastated when they came away with a draw. Now, to be devastated to come away from uh, Easter Road, having played nine times in a row champion Celtic with a draw, I think tells its own story. Yeah, uh, you know, two two nil up. Uh, Brown gives away uh, a penalty. What he was thinking, who knows? And then you get Frimpong and Beaton don't follow it in. Nisbet takes his goal well, but but no one tracks him as a runner. It's just it's really basic stuff at the back that that's letting us down. You know, that is basic, if, yeah. If, if Bain's anything, he's got a cracking chance of saving a penalty, hasn't he? We, we know he, he's good on penalties. So, you know, you could maybe say if Craig Gordon being in, you know, you could maybe let them off for not falling the ball in. You, you know, they're kind of, he's not expecting it. He resigned, uh, resigned to the fact that it's going to be scored first time round. Um, uh, absolutely, yeah. I mean, you're screaming at that, Lawrence. Just as a as a casual football fan, you're screaming at that because it's so basic. It's fundamental defending. You remember doing it under 12s, you know, following exactly. the ball in, you know. Yeah, um, I, that's frustrating that's for Neil are. Lennon, exactly. Exactly. But but going into that game, you've mentioned Nesbitt. Um, we were at a few games last season when uh, one of the, the people that came along was a Dunfermline fan, season ticket holder, and they were raving about Nesbitt, raving about this guy. Um, and last season, Dundee United were, were favourites to sign him. And apparently at one point, they turned down a bid in the January, I think it was, of half a million quid, which for a team like Dunfermline, for a club like Dunfermline at that stage, without the German investment that they've since got, uh, was massive. But they, they, at that time, probably thought they were still going to be pushing for a playoff place. So they didn't sell, they didn't sell Nesbitt uh, until the summer. And I think Hibbs probably got him for about 300 grand. Now, if you're looking outside the Celtic and Rangers, um, and you're looking at strikers who have impressed this season, I think most Scottish football fans would have Nesbitt on the top of the list. He's a guy that comes to mind. Um, so you're, you're coming up against Hibs, you're coming up against an informed Nesbitt. I know he missed his penalty against Hearts, but obviously we also know the personal kind of uh, tragedy that befell him before that game. So you're looking at that, you think, well, you need to manage that. That's one, that's one of the key areas you need to manage. And what we do is we just go out and we line up like we did against Motherwell. So I don't think, you know, just looking at that, I don't think there's any real planning in terms of who we're playing. It's just like, we're Celtic, same team as a fortnight ago, guys, on you go. So you're facing Nesbitt. And what you're, you're pitching up against Nesbitt is you're pitching a guy who has no pace and near beat on, no pace whatsoever. Um, on the bench, we've got two international centre-halves. Near beat on is playing out of, out of position. Uh, that doesn't make any kind of sense to me when you're up against a, a, a striker who probably throughout Scottish football, if you were to ask fans, who's really impressed you out is outside Celtic and Rangers up front this season? He'd be the man. So you need to deal with that. And we line up with near beat on, with no pace. And that beggars belief for me. Now, by the way, people might say, well, one of your international centre-halves on the bench is Shane Duffy, who's had a torrid time this season. Yeah, but the other one's El Hamid, who's yeah, one, of the, uh, one of the coolest customers we've got. International centre-half, who can also play full-back, of course. I, I don't understand the, the, the line-up against Hibs, Lawrence. I, I was bemused by that. You know, El Hamid wasn't so cool, or maybe it was too cool in Europe earlier on. Uh, we lacked pace at the back. I think Lenny identified that before Duffy came in. You know, we want a boy from Sampdoria who's a quick centre-half. We didn't get him. 
So I think as a team, we definitely lack pace at the back. Diego looks quick. Frimpong looks quick. Yeah. I, I, I wouldn't have him right back up. Uh, I don't think Ayer's particularly quick. Uh, and, you know, we've got Duffy, Beaton, El Hamid and, and Bidjolini to come back. So it, it's something that we're going right. We do lack pace. Maybe it's just that the fact he should be acknowledging that and say, look, don't get too close to him because, you know, he's got a couple of yards on you. It's Even if it's the same team, there should have been ways of setting up against him and say, right, this is what he's dangerous at. How are you going to manage that in the game? You can't play as tight to him because he's too quick. Yeah, It, it didn't... I don't know when he was thinking. Well, and in fact, it wasn't a lack of pace. He just, done him. He just didn't track him. You know so, when so regardless of pace, if, if you don't make the run, doesn't matter if you're slow or fast. I just think during during the the ninety minutes of that game, uh, I, I, I found that to be a mismatch. Um, when you're looking at their danger man, if you like, and by the way, I think Hibs have got um, good quality throughout their team. I think that uh, Hanlon and Porteous managed a Yeti without any real problem. But again, I felt that a Yeti was thrown into a situation that he was going to be uncomfortable. And so if you're playing beat on at centre-half, that's going to be an uncomfortable afternoon for him. A Yeti, up on his own, I, do, I don't think, correct me if I'm wrong, I can't remember a performance for Celtic where he's played well as a lone striker. I have no doubt he's a quality striker, but not as a lone striker up against that pair. We'll get a Yeti as a because he's underperforming down south. We really, never, never really get a chance with West Ham. We've got probably the two best strikers in Scotland. Can't start a game for us. For, you know, Griffiths, it's rumoured to be fitness issues. Unsure what, you know, what it is with French Eddie. Uh, you know, he's doing it, still doing it under 21 level with, with France. He comes on, we look a different team straight away. It's, is, he, is, you know, is, is Eddie counting the days down until January, Lawrence? What's your feeling on that? Uh, we all know that Eddie's going to move on. Now, does he say January, December? Who's he going to get in January that would come in for him? Would Celtic let him go? You know, is another question. Does he see his... We need to kind of get to the bottom why he's not playing. Is he just... You know, why is he only coming off the bench? Surely he's got to be a better option than a Yeti to lead the line. Uh, Griffith seems to be fitness. We're almost December. You know, it's the tail end of November. And when are you going to be fit? Yeah, you're absolutely right. You know, you see, when you're looking at the, and again, a very, very interesting, there was a, a real point to the discussion I had with the, the, the Hibs fan, uh, because we were talking about Neil Lennon when he was at Hibs. And obviously, I also spoke um, fairly recently to a, a journalist who uh, had spent some time with Neil Lennon. And I had spoken previously. Um, via someone else I had spoken to someone who was involved in the, the downfall if you like on that fateful afternoon um, when Neil Lennon left Hibs so what I'm trying to do is look at some of the reoccurring issues that we might be now looking at at Celtic Park and obviously there was the issue previously that he had with a very specific player in Camberry which ended out uh, not so well for Neil Lennon because he lost his job. I don't think Camberry himself was a particularly uh, easy guy to get on with um, if you look at his career since, Hibs. Uh, but obviously there was a big issue there. A, bit, a very um, public spat took place and uh, it resulted in Neil Lennon finally uh, being relieved of his duties at Hibs. Do you think that there are issues um, internally on a personal level between Neil Lennon and any of the players who are not performing? 
that something's not right, isn't it? No, it's, potentially it could be with the manager that if they're not playing, that there's schoolboy error has been made. We've got, you know, the two best strikers they don't play. One for a reason we don't know. One apparently fitness issues. Yet when when Griff plays, he scores goals. He makes things happen. It's you know, would we be a better team starting the two of them up front and getting out out of them what we can, rather than waiting until we're we're two 0 down and giving them twenty minutes or giving one of them twenty minutes. It's a good point. I mean, Lee Griffiths came on in 71 minutes. Um, and at that moment in time, we're 2 nothing down, Lawrence. So he's come on with 19 minutes to go. Now, I'm not saying it was the Lee Griffiths show because I didn't get that. What I got was the shape changed. And I think the shape changed for the better. And for the first time, we were actually able to put Portis and Hanlon on the back foot. And lo and behold, uh, the first goal comes seven minutes later, obviously via penalty. And then we scored 90, 91 minutes on the clock, we scored the equaliser. But I think I was, you know, I'm not going to take anything away from Lee Griffiths. I said at the beginning of the game, I would have much rather Griff was involved, particularly for the set pieces and the corner kicks, because I think Christie needs to come off them permanently. Um, but he comes on with 19 minutes to go. We change to two up top. That two up top starts to get in behind the Hibs defence, which we hadn't done for 71 minutes. But we're crying out for that at half time. Yeah. We're crying when it's, when it's nothing each. When you've got, especially this season, we've got five subs. You know, we can bring them on at three separate times, or four if you make the substitutions at half time, is it? So we need definitely get better using subs when we bring. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. This week on The Marketer's Report, Patrizio Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, direct-to-consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on building trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy. And we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the data you need to grow. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. If only makes things happen. It just seems a strange way to do it, to just give them 20 minutes, surely. It's professional footballer, he's what, 29, 30? Surely he's got more than 20 minutes in his tank. And it's the, obviously at that, that point he's matching up with Eduard. I mean, seen how effective they were last season. Now, I'm not going to say, you know, the, the uh, root of all Celtic's ills is the fact we're not playing two up front. There's, there's a multitude of reasons, but it's just, you know, that made a massive difference on 71 minutes when we made a double substitution. Duffy on for Brown who we'll get to in a moment, Griffiths on for El Yunusi, who was virtually anonymous. I mean, you're looking also at um, Rogic, and I, I spoke out earlier on about uh, Tommy Rogic. There was a couple of passages of play, Lawrence, where he gets the ball and he glides past two or three Hibs players. The ball stuck to his foot. He's a wizard. He's an absolute yeah. magician, but he's doing it at the halfway line. Now, that's yeah. only effective from Tom Rogic if he's doing it on the 18-yard line. Depends who he's got to hit in front of him. Who's pulling the defenders about, doesn't it? Well, he looks you know, up and he's got no one because it's just a Yeti and obviously, you know, that, that's... That's not a Yeti's game. No. Is it? So, you know, if he's got Griff or an Eddie running off the shoulder of a, a Portis, you know, it, it's different, isn't it? Oh, well, I, I, I think... That. No, we're not. We're, we're actually not. And I think when you're looking at the shape, um, you can talk about individual players all day long. 
but when you're looking at the shape, you can tell Celtic weren't creating enough. There was a couple of occasions where Ayer played a very simple crossfield pass to Frimpong, and that opened up the Hibs defence more than the 20 passes around a horseshoe and then a reverse horseshoe, which seems to be what we are doing constantly at the moment and creating nothing. Um, and then, you know, if you think about if we had like Salt and Frimpong higher up the pitch with two in the middle, you're then going toe-to-toe with the Hibs defence. They're probably then going to pull a man back. That opens up the midfield scenario with Christie, El Yanusi and Roger. And the whole game looks different. Now, that was kind of obvious watching that all the way through the first half that that kind of change in shape was required. We didn't do it until 71 minutes. And I think that's, for me, one of Neil Lennon's biggest failings this season. It's his failure to act when things aren't working. When you look at the change of shape, the only width we've got in the team is either Frimpong or, or Diego, isn't it? None of the attacking midfielders, Rogic, Oi, Christie, they don't like an outside. No. So the, the only width, the only way we're getting around him is using Frimpong. Comes in for a fair bit of heavy treatment. You, you saw it in the, the Rangers game, they, they just two or three players on him because they thought that's how they're going to get. get that's the Celtic plan. Get it to Frimpong, try and get round the back, create something. On the other side, it's Diego. So we don't have a, a lot of options of going wide. Uh, yeah, Lenny needs to be able to, to, to change it on width. He's restricted. Does he stick with 4 2 3 1? You know, how long does he, does he keep playing that system when it's not working? Why is he sticking with it? Why aren't you know why aren't Griffin and Eddie fit fit or able to start? Surely you know if all four of the forwards are fit, you're looking at Griffin Eddie. Uh, but they're they're only called on when we're two 0 down or we're nil each way. Twenty minutes to go. See, when you look at the number of podcasts we've done, I'm going to get to the comments in just a second. I appreciate the amount of people who are getting involved today. Um, there's a lot of Celtic fans want, wanting to get involved because everybody has an opinion on the situation just now. But we've done a couple of really uh, in-depth conversations uh, on our podcast earlier this season. We were talking about the transfers um, that we'd brought in. And, you know, we, we know how people love to take snippets of the videos and, and bring them up as memes, Lawrence, just to remind yeah. you how wrong you were. Uh, but we're going on about how great the transfer window was. And on paper, you're looking at it thinking, well, Shane Duffy comes in. Is he an upgrade on Joshua Simunovic? Back then, you probably would have said yes on paper. At the moment, as a, as a resounding no just now, but I'm not writing Shane Duffy off yet. Barkas for Fraser Foster, the jury was out. At the moment, Barkas isn't even getting a game and I think uh, 100% of Celtic fans would say it's definitely not an upgrade on Fraser Foster. Uh, Turnbull, I don't think he was in to replace anyone as such and he certainly hardly played. Uh, Laxalt is an upgrade on Johnny Hayes. Um, you know, I challenge anyone to argue that. Ayeti, again, who was he replacing? Is he an upgrade on Klamala? Um, I don't think you look at Ayeti as a third choice striker. He'll be pushing for the first team jersey or to partner one of the other two. And the, the El Yunusi that I've seen this season has certainly been more effective than the El Yunusi of last season, the second half of last season anyway. But when you're talking about putting it on the players, Lawrence, um, on reflection at this stage of the season, have our transfers, have our new arrivals been good enough? Do we need to actually strengthen the squad further? You know, you definitely take the ego. You say he's been a good transfer, haven't you? And he, he's, he's only here in Mm-hmm. Out of that, where else we've not seen enough of Barkas or, or Tumble to make any kind of judgment. 
Uh, I think although Duffy, you know, he's had his problems, individual errors, part of that, you know, that football is a team game, but especially in defence, the, the defence is really no, no recognised structure or you, you mm-hmm. don't know who's going to play from one week to the next. How many defenders are playing in defence for his, his natural position as defence? Well, you're playing with two non-centre-halves um, against Hibs. I know Ayer, when he moves on, I would much, you know, I'd be very surprised if, let's say Ayer was to move to Milan because that's the team that's been linked with uh, Chris Ayer. I don't think they're going to move him back into midfield. I think his transition to defence has been very natural for him. And he looks, for me, he looks like a natural ball-playing defender. So, but I take your point, you're playing with two centre-halves who are not natural uh, centre-halves. I mean, that wasn't their original positions. Uh, you've got uh, Frimpong. He's a yeah, right winger. Yeah, I think his game's improving, but he's not not, not natural, but right right back, and I don't know if he'll ever, ever make it right back, but you can see he's been putting what's some work in his final ball. Uh, he's an exciting player to watch, but he's not a right back. It's, yeah, the, the, the defence is going to need... Reorganised. Did Lenny bring Duffy in or identify the boy at Sampdoria because he wanted to th- play three at the back? You know, what's stopping him if that's what he wants to do, playing three at the back? Is it injury? Is it COVID? You know, when will we see Julian back again? You know, Lenny made it, some comments during the international break that led us to think that you know, Julian would be fit again. So I don't know if he's fit. I would... Julian. Well, I would hate to think that of any Celtic player, especially when we need, I mean, it's quite clear that we need somebody like Julian back in the team. Uh, you know, the comment that I seen the other day when I said that was, you know, we were all criticising Julian after the Kilmarnock game. I think it was Ayer that got more flack, even though Julian had the individual issue in the game. Ayer was a guy that got dropped. The, the sooner Julian comes back, the better. Let's get a bit of solidity in the in the defence. I actually think we need to start playing Barkas. I'm going to ask you about Thursday night and how you see uh, Lenny lining up, how you feel Lenny should line up. But let's work through some of the, the comments that are coming through on our various channels, Twitter, Facebook and YouTube. If you haven't already, please subscribe to the YouTube channel. And join thousands of Rangers fans who seem to have subscribed to them over the last couple of days. Uh, Andrew Nutter, Lennon out for me, not good enough, but we are keeping him. I mean, obviously the, the kind of uh, news that was coming out yesterday is, like, A, Neil Lennon is certainly going to stay. Um, you know, he's not going to leave of his own volition. And the chat is that, you know, the board are backing him, Lawrence. What's your take on that? Do you think that, you know, all I hear is, you know, you've got to give him another game, you've got to give him another eight eight games, you've got to leave it until the Scottish Cup final, I hear this time and time again, but the that league title is getting further and further and further away from our grasp, to the point where we must we must basically win every single game, including the games against Rangers, from now until the end of the season, and hope that Rangers slip up So, uh, are the board backing Lenny, I suppose that, that they're going to back him until they have a replacement, they're not going to come and say anything other there's definite rumours that they've approached other people that uh, uh, you know who would be available so I, I suppose who, who knows what the, the Celtic board's thinking is at the moment uh, as you said Lenny's not going to walk, walk, walk away would be, you'd have thought that if they were going to let him go the international break would have been that's your opportunity yeah right you know, you've got a bit of time there to get someone in and 
look through the video footage of Celtic and the rest of the league and see what he's got got to work with. But, you know, they're not taking that. So it would appear that, yeah, it looks like they're going to stick with him. You know, if you look at it from Neil Lennon's point of view, you know, in the league, he's lost one game. You know, he's already come out and said, you know, it'd be unfair to go. Uh, but, yeah, was that, was that like, not was that not two weeks ago though? Yep. Yeah, in, in, indeed. But, uh, and we've dropped I, more I points that, since then. Yep. Yeah. But I, you're right. It doesn't look like Lenny's uh, decided his times up. So the, the, the board are, you know, it's a bit of a mystery. They've not made an official statement that they're backing him. I think. With the rumours and uh, the feeling of, uh, on social media and among Celtic fans, it's, it's probably time of some kind of noise as to mm. what the plan is here. Yeah, they just uh, seem to be completely ignoring the fact that we're in the uh, throes of actually, um, you know, losing this league title. And, you know, the, the feeling that I'm getting from a lot of Celtic fans, David Calder included, 10 in a row is gone. We all know this. I'm, I'm of the view, Lawrence, that... Um, it's never over till it's over. I mean, in terms of, and I'm not being over sentimental, but we have seen obviously uh, massive rebuilding projects within a season. We've also seen teams crumbling, and um, I actually don't think that's going to happen with Rangers this season. I think they're, they're looking pretty solid, unless it's something along the lines of what Celtic have had to face in terms of injuries and illness. I don't see that uh, they're going to lose many points outside of the Celtic games, and even then, at the moment, Stephen Gerrard seems to have the beating of Neil Lennon in the games. So, for me, these issues, you know, they can be resolved, but not with the current management and coaching team. Um, you know, we spoke at the very beginning of this broadcast where you said there seems to be something wrong. It seems to be kind of obvious to everybody looking at it except Neil Lennon. There is something wrong. Um, you've got a player there in Eduard who was the best striker we had seen at Celtic Park since his countryman Dembele. Uh, there was talk of £30 million moves, £40 million moves. The guy we've seen this season has been a shell of the odds on Eduard um, of old. Now, the player's got to take that. The player's got to take that on the chin 100%. But when you're a manager of a football club, you, it's your job to motivate and get the best out of your players. You know, you looked at some of the, the previous managers getting the best out of players who had previously not performed as well. What who Who is Neil Lennon getting the best out of at the moment? Which player in that team is he getting to perform to levels that they hadn't performed previous to Lennon arriving? I'm struggling to think of a single one. I suppose it's back to the question of who in that team is nailed down their position out of the first 11. Who would you think is a certain starter due to, I, the, due to the performances? I think over the piece that um, if you were picking an 11, I'm going to ask you to pick 11 for Thursday night. Um, it's very difficult for for fans at the moment to agree on the best 11 and that tells its own story I think there's a few players in there that are, are certainties in the team um, but I think that's also an issue with Neil Lennon because there's certain players in there that shouldn't be certainties there should, certain players in that team at the moment uh, Lawrence who I think need to be dropped but they're, they're on the team sheet every week without doubt that's what I'm saying you know on form on the way they're playing who's nailed down their position in the first 11 well one player who hasn't is uh, Barkas and Jack Walsh um, says that he needs a shot against Prague. I'm going to be asking the question in relation to Barkas. Um, you're looking at the fact that he lost his place. Um, and 
apparently it was due to an injury when he clashed with Shane Duffy. I think he maybe bruised his ribs. He's never come back into the side. He's fit to do so. He was a record goalkeeper uh, signing for Celtic. Do you play him against Sparta Prague on Thursday night? I'd be playing him. Uh, you know, spent a lot of money on him. Uh, are we saying something in training that is Lenny saying something in training that he's, he's not got it? I know Lenny made a comment about uh, Bain had been a change in his attitude and then Scott Bain's back and goals. But you wouldn't have thought Barncastle had come in as backup for the prices no. to win it. No chance. Uh, I've not seen any howlers for, for him. He looks really good with the ball at his feet. You know, he moves the ball quick for us, gets on the attack quick. I would start him. We need to see what we've got in this keeper. Uh, yeah, he, he starts for me. I, I actually said before the Hibs game, it was time, Lawrence, to get back to the point of what, what was the plan this season, where the plan was uh, Barkas and Duffy, right? That was the plan, was it not? Both players were fit to play and they didn't get a sniff. And I know that uh, Duffy came on for 19 minutes. I mean, I'm not going to overanalyze Duffy's performance in those 19 minutes. Uh, but I, I thought the time to make that change was on Saturday. Um, and, I, and I still believe that it needs to be made on Thursday night. Now, if we go out on Thursday, Lawrence, and it's basically the same team as Saturday, then I think, you know, you're, you're more as well, you'd be as well just chucking it because you're not actually playing what's in front of you. You're thinking that things are going to resolve themselves. And I felt that was the same against Hibs. For for Neil Lennon to come out and say that it was a great win at Motherwell, I find that astonishing to come away with that statement. It wasn't a great win. It wasn't it was a great, great win. It was great, it was great to get, to get one. one. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, but I mean, yeah. The amount of chances Motherwell had. You know, and we changed just about every chance we had. So, you know, I think I was in a studio for a game. We were talking even after we went off here. Look. That's not a full win. That, you, you know that the scoreline definitely flattered as he deceiving that one. Uh, so yeah, if we go with the same team, we've got a manager that's come in, but I can't defend the players. In the last few games, it's almost as if he's out of answers. Well, he's got a chance to answer it on the park again, and if he just comes out with the, the same lineup, you're going. Lenny, nothing's changed here. It's too passive. It's too passive, Lawrence. And I think that's why we're frustrated when we're watching uh, the game against Sibs. We go 2-0 down and no changes are, are being made. And when you make a change, I don't mean a substitute because if we're just going to take somebody off and put somebody else on, it's not going to change the flow of the game. I mean, Edward could not be that influential if he's not getting the delivery. And yet he wasn't getting the delivery. So just by putting Edward on doesn't make the other players you know, change the way they're playing and, and all of a sudden give him a different style of delivery. So the changes that were acquired have not been made. And I think that could be said all season when you're actually looking at the failure to react. You know, if, if Lennon was out there at half at half time making changes, trying to make it work, trying everything at his disposal, using and utilising the five substitutes and it still wasn't working, then at least you're looking at Lennon thinking, well, he's trying to make the change. I don't even see that. It's just too passive for me. Well, if it's a player that, that's just like for like, and especially if it's Eddie, it's going, you're going, well, why did he not start again? You know, there's no doubt he's a better player than a Yeti. It's not just that a Yeti's having an off day. So you're thinking, well, why is Eddie not started? You know, sometimes, you know, players do better against different types of players or somebody picks up an injury. You can go, right, fair enough for not a like for like player, but the, the the huge question is why is Eddie not starting? And we don't seem to begin anything on why he's not starting. No, um, we're, we're getting. Just, 
we're getting something from Lennon that just makes us all think there's something wrong. You know, the comments that Lennon's making about Eduard is, you know, first the first comment he made that was concerning is that the transfer talk was was uh, switching him off. And you think, well, that's fine, but that was weeks and weeks ago. And then Lennon's going to have to have a word with him. And you think, well, the boy's just come back from France, having excelled once again for France under-21s. He's a record holder at France. And he comes back, it looks like a shell, a shadow of his the player that we know he, he can be. Uh, yeah, that comes down to the player. Of course it does, Lawrence. But then you're also looking at the manager to get the best out of each individual yeah. player. You know, and I'm, I'm, I'm throwing this out to everybody who's tuning in because people are tuning in big numbers at the moment because everybody's feeling quite passionate about what's going on at our club. And I would ask, what, what player, if any, do you think Lenny's actually improved on an individual basis? Give me one player in that Celtic side that you believe Neil Lennon has improved or has improved under the tutelage of Neil Lennon's second. This week on the Marketer's Report, Patrizio Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct to Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on building trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy. And we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. As the number one audio company, iHeart Media gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the data you need to grow. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. In time round. Stephen Forbes, welcome back to the show. Stephen, other than a managerial change, he's asking what changes for Sparta Prague on Thursday. Well, Stephen, I don't think, I'm getting the feeling that that's not going to happen. Certainly not this week. Lennon and the team need a win, so it's possible we can expect a lineup similar to Motherwell and Hibbs. El Hamadan for Frimpong to give him a rest. Uh, I thought, again, it's a good point actually, I thought after the, um, the terrible challenge against Motherwell that Frimpong might have been rested against Hibbs. Yep. I know you're a big fan of El Hamid, particularly defensively, Lawrence. Yeah, I mean, for me, I would change it to 3-5-2. Uh, I don't think Lenny will, but at this time, I think Lenny's just going to put the same team. You know, which, if it is, you're going, Lenny, you need to have some answers. And you know, if he puts out the same team and gets a win, you're like, brilliant, but what's the likelihood of that? The, that unit's performing. Very unlikely, you know, and very unlikely indeed. And we've seen this, you know, this is history repeating itself. We've seen it uh, after the Ferenc Varos game, uh, where, I, you know, a, a lot of people were very, very critical of Neil Lennon for not playing a recognised striker uh, from the start. And we followed that up with the exact same lineup. So we've seen it before. Um, and you just yeah. hope, you know, Lennon's putting the team out and just hoping that it resolves itself without a change in personnel, without a change in shape. That, that can be particularly frustrating. We're going to be asking um, those who are tuning in to give us the lineup that they would choose for Thursday night. Um, people say that it's a meaningless game. Now, I don't think there's ever such a thing involving Celtic as a meaningless game. Uh, there's a bit of pride at stake, certainly in Europe this season, Lawrence, but I also think that I'm looking ahead to the next game. So the European game, you can't just put that to one side. You've got to try and get a team that can blend and gel together. You get the partnerships in the centre-half position, hopefully up front. And you, you start to get a bit of shape and a bit of momentum together. And it starts on Thursday night. It should have started weeks ago. And it's a stop-start yep. season for me. Um, I, I'm of the view that it's not going to start. I'm of the view that 
this isn't going to turn around. Neil Lennon can't turn it around. We need a sea change. And in that, we need a managerial change. And I'm going to talk to you about some of the the names and obviously the, the, the figures who have been mentioned over the, the last few days. But um, on Thursday night, if he doesn't make a change, Lawrence, you've got to ask yourself, is he... You know, is he resigned to the fact that he's he's on his way out, or is he resigned to the fact that we're not going to win this league? And that saddens me even more. Got to you say, because Celtic are my priority. You know, if he doesn't make a change, is he bereft of answers? Is does he just seriously not know what to do with the players at his disposal? Is he saying this is the best team because I keep putting it out, and this is the best formation, and he's obviously put out what he thinks is the best. I think the evidence in everybody's eyes is. That's not working just now. Mm-hmm. And it's definitely it not working. Again, you, you, you know, you're kind of going, well, what are you saying that we're not? Surely there's got to be something better there. Could they play 3-5-2? Could they play Barkas, Julian Iron, Duffy? Is it three at the back? Diego, Frimpong? Be, play beating as the holding midfielder. McGregor and Christie in front of him with Rodjick just behind it, a front to that. Griffiths and Eddie. There's a lot to consider. I mean, there's it's a game-to-game basis at the moment, Lawrence. We're looking at this game-to-game. There doesn't seem to be any kind of fluidity to the Celtic side. Uh, you can barely look beyond the next fixture that's in front of you because, I mean, this is a team that absolutely dismantled Celtic at Celtic Park just a matter of weeks ago. Uh, you're going to their home turf and it could get a bit messy, you know, if, if Neil Lennon doesn't make um, big changes to the side. Now, uh, what I would say is we have IH uh, decorating, and I'm sure IH decorating will not mind me saying that they are the first to get on board as a sponsor for our quadruple treble weekender. So what we've done, and I, I don't mind calling it a quadruple treble, let's not forget that we are chasing history on the 20th of December. But on the 19th and 20th of December, we're having a massive weekend. Lawrence, we're going to go live for 24 hours. We're splitting it up into two segments of 12 hours, 8 to 8, both days, covering the game. We're trying to enlist as many Celtic-minded shows as possible. We've got quite a few already on board. So we've got St. Rocks are going to be taking an hour up. They're going to be broadcasting for an hour. Uh, we've got four Tims in a podcast confirmed that they're going to be involved. We've got the Celtic Ray podcast taking an hour. And we've also got Celtic Fans TV uh, just confirmed, and I'll put it out on Twitter after the broadcast, uh, CFB as well. Uh, Callum McFadden is on board. So we've got five slots taken up already. Loads more people interested. We're going to have interviews with ex-players. We're going to have some music. We're going to have some comedy. It's going to basically be 24 hours of fundraising, Lawrence. And I'm going to try and get as much of the Axom team involved as possible. If it's a travel restriction issue, then they'll be dialing in as you have today. And what we're asking for is we're asking for sponsors to sponsor each individual show. So each one of our segment is uh, up for sponsorship and IH Decorating are the first on board so well done uh, to everybody who's involved with IH Decorating they get involved in the bulletin quite a bit and it's an absolute pleasure um, to be involved with yourselves for the big weekender on the 19th and 20th what other Celtic podcast should we get on board? I've not got any issue I mean uh, obviously we've got some of the guys already on board what other Celtic podcast do you think need to be uh, part of the charity weekend or Lawrence I mean you know I don't well, get much time from, to be honest with you to listen to many because I'm always in the studio but what's your thoughts well the boys from down under come on is it, uh, that'd be brilliant aye why not I'll, I'll throw out know, a message I, to them 24 hours would suit them 
Well, yeah, I mean, we're going eight to eight. There's going to be, I'm sure they're going to be up for the game. Uh, the, the four hours around the game, we're going to be covering the match and obviously everything we normally do on the match day for that. Uh, but the lead up to that game, let's get some comedy involved. Let's get some musicians playing. After the game, let's talk to some big Celtic fans about the reaction and hopefully it's a good one after the quadruple treble. Um, it's going to be a massive weekend. There's going to be four charities that uh, will be confirmed very, very soon. Uh, we're raising funds for homelessness. We're raising funds also for mental health. Lawrence, we're going to be supporting vulnerable adults and vulnerable children, uh, children who might wake up with no Christmas presents on Christmas Day. We're trying to raise as much funds as we can to support four areas of society who are particularly vulnerable, particularly at Christmas time. So I can't wait. It's going to be massive. Yeah, looking forward to it. Almost as much as I'm looking forward to winning four trebles in a row. Yeah, it's a massive weekend for Celtic fans. IS Decorating is coming in via YouTube to say that we need to go with Bacas, Elhamid, Ayer and Julien, I hope Julien's back, Laxalt, and let them form an understanding. I think that's key. And that was where I was coming from at Hibs there, um, where I, I suggested we should play Barkas and Duffy. Some people might boo and hiss at that, but there needs to come a point where they get over whatever it is that's affecting them. Um, because form is obviously temporary, right? So form is temporary. They can play through that. Uh, Barkas is sat out for a few weeks. Duffy is sitting out even when he's the only centre-half fit and available to play. He's still sitting it out. So I think when you look at that defence, that, that seems like, for me, a good shout. Barkas, Alhamid, Ayer, yeah. Julian and Luxalt. Do you, would you buy into that solid. for Thursday? Yeah. Back four looks more solid straight. You, you know, you're, you're putting Alhamid instead of Frimpong. For, for me, I'd go, you know, 3-5-2. But, you know, if, if you're going to go four at the back, that looks solid, doesn't it? It's, uh, but we do need to get a settled back line and players need to get an understanding. Yeah. Uh, I think Diego's nailed down his place, although I'm a big fan of Taylor. I think Diego is just... You were a big supporter of Taylor, weren't you, when he was getting a lot of stick earlier on in the season, Lawrence? You were standing up quite a bit for Taylor. Um, I mean, I think there's been times this season where I I would have preferred more defensive full-backs. I can see what Dale Lennon's trying to do with Luxalt and Frimpong. Um, But when you're watching the game against Hibs and they're failing to break it down, there's also the question of... Uh, why they're failing to break it down well I, I didn't see a lot of like Salt and Frimpong in the final third uh, because we weren't playing those diagonal passes we just weren't releasing their players you know I've seen Rogic playing deep to try and get the ball yet he does that That we shouldn't be getting pinned back we should be pinning back a team like Hibs on the back foot no disrespect they had all the time in the world I've seen Porteous looking up taking his time playing the ball out of defence you know, if we had two up front, it's as simple as, as that, and that's only one aspect of it, then, you know, we're, we're not only going toe-to-toe with them, we're starting to stretch them. If you've got a player like Griffiths, he stretches the defence, Lawrence, he gets them on the back foot. Yeah, I mean, Griff, every, if, if you get Griff's done, everybody's got to worry about and They can't give him any space, because, they, they know, even 35 yards out, he gets the ball. Griff can get that in the back of the net. It's, you know, some players you can say, well, he's got, he's got to come in a bit, he's not going to shoot for the, he's got no chance, not with Griff. So, yeah, they, they, they need to kind of look after him. And it's the same if it's Griffin Eddie that's starting. It gives the two guys that can't give any space at all to. Yeah, but, yeah, it's a strange one. It's a team we, we certainly we seem to lack width. It's, you know, you've got three attacking midfielders. I don't think any of them, from what I've seen, particularly I like going wide, they seem to prefer coming in. Mm-hmm. So, you know, where's the width coming in the team? It's all either Diego or Frimpong. 
Yeah, and uh, again, and that's a lot. There's a lot of illness in two players. Yeah, yeah, especially in the back four. You know, you know, when there's not three at the back, it's a lot on us, isn't it? You're oh, definitely. To get one of your defensive mids has got to drop back a lot quicker and plays a centre half when they're going on, which doesn't seem to be happening effectively for us at the moment. It's not. Let's let's talk about Scott Brown. Let's talk about Scott Brown. I've seen a lot against Hibs that I was disappointed in. I feel that he's regressed this season. We've been hearing it season on season. Um, and you hear a lot of Celtic fans, oh, you know, you, you wrote him off, he's lost his legs. You hear that time and time again about Scott Brown. He's regressed this season. His performances simply are not uh, where they should be. There was a lot of the play going through Scott Brown where you could have missed him out. I, I noticed a very, uh, very often during the game, balls that were coming to Brown, he was just playing the second ball that could have been the first ball. Almost like pointless playing the ball to Brown, just play it to the, the next man, which was often lax salt. I mean, the, the reaction to giving away a penalty in such a massive game uh, I mean the demeanour there the Scott Brown of old you know that that's not what I would expect people say that that Brown is, is the leader and, and that you know he's certainly not a guy that's chucked it when you look at uh, Neil Lennon's reaction you know Neil Re- Lennon criticised Brown after the game they certainly did criticise him after the game. And of course, he took him off during the game, 71 minutes in. It's absolutely uh, no coincidence that Celtic's com- game completely changed in the last 19 minutes when Brown was off the park. Um, is it time to to remove the captain um, from the starting lineup? Listen, I, I can remember Tommy Burns dropping Paul McStay. Yeah, you know? against Hibs, I remember it. Yep. Yep. And McStay certainly come back. And uh, his game went up a few levels when he was back in the team. You know, I, I, I think it is time to give Brown a rest or, or drop him, whatever it want. And that penalty gave away. What's Brown thinking? You, you know, it's. I know when he was a younger player, you used to kind of say he'd get a rush of blood to the head, but 36 and he's given away. You know, the hips player must be laughing that the, the Brown's fallen for that. It's just shocking penalty to give away. We looked at a better team without him. Uh, we're moving it quicker. Maybe Hibs, you know, Two and a lot, twenty minutes to go. They're thinking, don't lose anything here. But, but that's part of it. But yeah, I would, I would drop Brown and I'd put Beaton in as a defensive mid. I think he's a he'd do a better job there. You know, there's a couple of things about our team. We, we seem to lose a lot of goals from set pieces and corners. We're not a particularly tall team, uh, so you know, I'd move Beaton out of defence and into the, the, you know, uh, yeah, defensive midfielder. You've got three, you could have three big centre-backs behind him. Hopefully that would kind of address the, the kind of soft centre we, we seem to have. I wonder if Big Wanyama fancies coming back from Montreal um, in January. I think uh, I would welcome him back with open arms and Big Foster and Benkovic. Um, I'm just reminiscing. Sorry for, for yeah. doing that from time to time. Back to the good old days. Uh, we're going for 10 in a row in a quadruple treble and we're reminiscing about other players. Um, but I think when you're looking at Brown and the level of his performance, there's absolutely no doubt for me that his performances, um, you know, similarly under Ronnie Dyla, uh, when you're looking at the, the senior pros that uh, there was a bit of mutiny in the camp. We know all about it. Brown was involved in that. Um, you know, you're looking at that team there. You're looking for people to be leaders. Neil Lennon's been using a lot of words um, around the team. He's called them slack. He's called them lazy. That, that was some of the words after the, the Hibs game. You're then asking for a reaction. Does that get a reaction out of a player when you're, you're basically criticising their commitment? Well, sometimes it does. It doesn't appear to be a, a, 
at the moment, you know, it's kind of stick sometimes for players, but I think perhaps Lenny's saying, you know, I can't defend him now because he has been trying to defend him all season. That didn't work. You know, I think we are looking at a manager that looks like he's out of ideas. Players that's maybe, that for me, that, that have got the position in form just now and the way they're playing is probably Diego, Christine McGregor. Out of, out of that three, who else has got a position on what they're doing in the park? That you would say, yep, stick with him. That's quite concerning. Maybe that's quite, Maybe oh, yeah, I would say Ayer, yeah, I think uh, you know Ayer comes in for some criticism f- uh, from some sections of the support, but I think uh, you know he's for me he's pivotal at the moment. Uh, we need we need him to continue in his current form. What he requires is a bit of backup now. Um, what I've seen from Duffy, I've seen Duffy, you know, talking Ayer throughout the games and maybe giving him a lot of the defense, the defensive fundamentals, if you like, in terms of positioning and stuff like that. Uh, we've seen a lot less of Ayer going on these big galloping runs that I loved so often, but he's maybe concentrating more on the defensive element of his game. I think he can bring the likes of Lax Salt and Frimpong into the game with his crossfield passes as well, Lawrence. It's just a case now we're getting somebody to partner him. And not only that, and I go on about this time and time again, you need to central defensive partnership to be right but you need the goalie behind them to be right and you want a runny games for that three you know that that triangle at the back and if you get that right there's a starting point because in terms of the, the offensive players um, you know I'm not too concerned about guys like Luxalt and, and uh, Christy El Yunusi although he's not yet got that consistency I think we've got enough good strikers you know take your pick any two of the three are yet Edward and Griffiths but make sure it's two you've got Rogic back on a game so I think offensively we've got the players it's the defence it's quite obvious we need to try and get the partnership that works but changing the team time and time again um, or not changing the side that isn't working isn't the way to go I think you go out there hopefully Julien's fit if he is play him Ayer and like IH decorating said before we Barkas behind them and let's see if we can start creating a partnership there yeah, definitely going to get back to this in. For me, I don't think the four at the back's working for us at the moment. I, I, I definitely go three uh, at the back. And, you know, I think a Duffy, Ayer, and, and Big Chris Julian, if he's fit, you, you've got a fairly solid, solid set back three. Takes a wee bit of defensive onus off of both Diego and Frimpong then. In front of them, definitely I'd give Brown a drop and give him a rest, whatever you want to say. And sit beating in front of him. Oh well, I mean near Beaton again is someone I think who for me would be surplus at the moment because I think we're we're looking for something that's up in the game and up in the tempo, Lawrence. But we'll see because he's a favourite of Neil Lennon's. Of course he is. He's one of the guys I was referring to, um, who seem almost undroppable under Neil Lennon. Uh Howard Roark, just for a wee bit of humour here, is uh, referring to big Alfred Molino today, uh, Lawrence, but I guess that's you and not me, because there is a striking resemblance there. So there you go. We've got Robert Duval, Alfred Molino, Robert De Niro. Uh, and Doc Cotton. So we've got loads of lookalikes on a Celtic state of mind. Now, Kaplow Mark, who comes on um, regularly, how do you seriously get players back on side when you're calling them lazy? This is a big thing for me. Um, if you've got the uh, fragmentation of relationships uh, within a football club, and I, I use the example at Hibs because obviously, ultimately it lost Neil Lennon his job. These personal issues that he has with certain players, there's no going back a lot of the time with, with footballers' learns. They just won't play for you. Yeah, some people, you know, you, you, you cross the line. That's it. Uh, whether it's fair comment or not, you know, uh, 
it's crossing the line. I mean, I think we can all say there's been lazy performances out there. There's things that players, I think, look at the penalty. Why aren't you following that ball in? Why aren't you tracking a runner? It's, you know, a lot of stuff has been so basic of late. Is it laziness? Is it they're just not willing to play for Lenny? Who knows? But yeah, if Lenny calls it out, he's looking to get reaction out of the player. What happens if he doesn't? What if the player just says, right, I'm not playing for you? Well, Lenny, if he's not going to play for you, you, be, you can't keep putting him in the team. But for, for me, you know, because that's the worst of both worlds for Lenny then. He's trying to, you know, call it out. It's not worked, but I'll stick, keep sticking him in the team. But if you continually do that um, and three, four, five, six players are no longer on side, Lawrence, that is what I think the definition of losing the dressing room is. And yeah, I think that that's where we probably are. I think that's where we've been for a wee while. You know, if we've been that way for a while, I'm sure the board would be aware of that. Well, that's interesting you bring that up because Joe Porter comes in to say that Lennon has been back then. What's happening here? I mean, you, you say the board are aware of it. Is it the old uh, football cliche of getting the, the backing of the board one day and three days later you're on your bike? Do you think that's where we are? It's all for the, <laughs> the kiss of death. But I suppose they, only 10 minutes ago we said they have to come out and do, do something. They have to come out and say something. You know, We're all waiting for, for some kind of single from them. Uh, we, 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 everybody already knew it was a, it was at the stage. That's a stage you never want to be, be at as a football manager. That you need the, the board to come out publicly back you because you know things are are pretty bad if that's happening. But we, we knew the board had to come out and say something. They have to let the fan base and certainly the feeling amongst the fans know what's going on. Are they back to Lennon? What, what exactly is the plan here? Yeah, you know, talk about you know, Lenny not being able to defend the players or we're saying Lenny doesn't have a plan. What's the plan from the club? Why was the social media so quiet? Were they expecting to do something that they cancelled just about everybody and every announcement bar the shop's still open? I know, I know. It was quite unusual. The silence was deafening. Uh, a couple of comments coming through. Thank you, guys. Uh, Albert McCready, James Doherty. The whole team has regressed, not just Scott Brown. That's finding, yeah. finding it difficult to argue with that. <laughs> We're not the team of the second half of last season, are we? We're, cert- not. we're certainly not. And that that's why there's the concern. And that's why when your gaffer's coming out, your your leader, your iconic leader, Neil Lennon's coming out and talking about culture change, lazy players, players aggravating and agitating for a move. Then that's where you feel that there's an issue. It's not a rumour. It's not one of these pundits, uh, the shock jocks that come out and say, I've heard this and I've heard that. It's coming from the camp. It's coming from the gaffer. There's an issue, massive issue. Yep. And the board aren't acting, uh, Lawrence. Um, did you expect them to act? Well, perhaps not. I've seen a lot of comments coming in. If this happens on Thursday, if this happens against Ross County, how many ifs does Neil Lennon get? I would expect that if they were going to act, they would have been put into place whatever plan they would have had in the national break. But then again, you know, is there a Sunday 4-0 Aubrey moment coming up? <sighs> Would that force it if something like that happened or would they just keep sticking? 
it is, well, you know, I'm not comparing St. Mint to Sparta Prague, but in terms of a European humbling and embarrassing result on the very stage that we continually say is our stage as a European club, as a club who feels that they're uh, moving into the, the echelons of uh, the elite, as a club who uses a European stage to entice players from other academies, from the likes of PSG and Manchester City, to come uh, and play for Celtic. You know, if a 4-1 humbling isn't that defeat, what is that defeat? You know, that game, I struggle to remember it. It's badder European result at home. I know kind of Zamex away, you know, Noise Hotel Zamex away was bad, Artemidia Bratislava was bad away. The away games, what was against that standard opposition? What was as bad a result? The 3 2 win against Dundalk, maybe? I, I, I don't know. Can you remember a worse home European result against? And not just that standard opposition, that opposition that had the second team out. You're right, you're right. It's the standard because obviously we've been humbled in Europe. We've been humbled against some great sides, PSG, Barcelona. I don't want to get beat and completely decimated the way that, that we did against these sides. But when you're getting humbled against a, a side like Sparta Prague, and by the way, yeah, you know, I've seen nothing since that result that would suggest that there's going to be any difference on Thursday night. And that's what that's why I think Neil Lennon, because he's still going to be in charge um, on Thursday night by by all accounts, he needs to make big changes. And by big changes, I'm talking about players like Scott Brown. Now, the the point that Paul Cockwell's making, uh, why play Brown when you've got a £3 million player in Turnbull not getting a game? Why is he not getting a game? He was one of the most promising players in Scottish football. We chased him for over a year. He's not getting a game. He started one game. Yeah, I mean, Brown's certainly, uh, he's definitely not the player of last season and I think he'd benefit for, from a bit of time out of the team. Has his relationship with Lenny broken down? Don't know. Don't know what's going on there, but I don't think he's keeping his place on current form. I don't think that's what's keeping him on the team. I don't think his current form's enough to merit him being on the team sheet every week. We've got to try and find something that works. Obviously, we know Turnbull's another COVID-related uh, absence so he, he won't be available Thursday because of that, really, these COVID. Uh, we've got to try someone else in there. You know, for me, I, I know you're, you're not a big fan of beating. I, I would try beating and it allows us to push Cal Mark a bit further forward. I'd love to Cal- see, I'd love to see McGregor playing uh, for higher up the pitch, Lawrence, for sure. And again, the, the, my issue isn't with beating, my issue is playing players out of position. That's my yeah. issue, you know. You know, if he, if you play three five two, you get diamond mid, midfield. You've got beaten just screening those three centre halves. You know, it's Sparta Prague not at the time to try it. You know, we need a performance. We need to try something that's going to work. Surely we can't just stick with the same again. It, it would appear uh, if you've done that, it looks like the manager's out of answers. Then doesn't it? I think he already has shown that he's out of answers. Um, and Thursday night. I think we'll strengthen that. Um, I mean, I remember watching the game against Lille. Lawrence thinking, wow, what are we watching here for 60 minutes? The shape was completely different. Everybody was moving in channels and you could actually see them in banks of players. You could see it. You could see the lines. And and that form of organisation, you see Neil Lennon on the sidelines giving instructions, which, you know, for weeks we hadn't seen. I thought that was the moment. That was the moment. Weeks later, another two European games later, and it was just a false dawn. 
if you remember, it, it kind of came out fighting in the press before the Leo game. You saw a bit of the old Lenny back, didn't you? I think uh, I think we, we did. I think we did. We've seen a bit of the, the old Lenny back. Um, but unfortunately, again, I, I use this word regression. It's regressed back. It's regressed back the way again. Yeah, he, he seems to have... He's quieter now in his interviews, isn't he? He seems to be more passive in himself. Whereas, you know, there was a bit of spark about him before the Leo game. Is that having an effect on, on, on performances? But yeah, the, the, the Leo performance for 60 minutes was brilliant. But spark of Prague, he, he surely got to change things. And it, as a home result in Europe, seriously struggle to think of a, a, a worse one. Similarly, I, I can't remember a, a worse one against that standard opposition. Now, there's one other thing I want to discuss uh, before I let you go, Lawrence. Um, and that is, there was an interesting, there was an interesting interview last night with Eddie Howe. Now, I was speaking yesterday to uh, Kevin Graham about some of the names that have been flying about uh, in relation to the big question: If Neil Lennon goes, who do you bring in? Um, I must admit, I did like a couple of the suggestions. I, I liked one suggestion that that uh, Kevin made, which was um, a manager plus Sean Maloney as the coach because, you know, obviously I got a bit of stick for saying Martinez and Maloney. I'd love a partnership of someone plus Maloney. You know, you, you get that figurehead at plus Maloney. So I'm not sold on Martin O'Neill coming back. I'm not sold on Gordon Strachan coming back. Um, I think, you know, Eddie Howe is a name that keeps coming up time and time and time again. People say, why would he be interested? He was homesick. That's why he left his last job. What's your take on Eddie Howe and the job he did at Bournemouth. So, he t- him up first division, didn't he? Up second, to, was it Doncaster or something? Then up to Premier League. Uh, I think he had one good season there and then they started falling down lower and lower in the league. Went to Burnley. Is that right? Didn't do it too well at Burnley, back to Bournemouth. Uh, for me, I'm looking good. Well, I think he got, he got awarded Football managers, the Premier Football League's manager of the decade or something. Yeah, yep. Is winning basically what he's done is one promotion today. For me, all he's done is one promotion today. The EPL is that good enough? It was. It was for Brendan Rodgers because that's all he's ever done. So where did Brendan's team finish in the EPL? Second, which means he's not a winner. Yeah. he finished second, but it was, a, it was a lot better performance than Eddie put in. Uh, for me, I've looked at Eddie Howe. Ah, Howie. but Eddie, Eddie Howe, no, that's fine. But when you look at the, the makeup of uh, the spending uh, of Bournemouth compared to Liverpool, Liverpool, yeah. uh, and the fact that Liverpool had Suarez, and, you know, it's relative. At the end of the day, Brendan Rodgers, we think of Brendan Rodgers as, at one point, anyway, uh, all hail Brendan. Uh, Brendan wasn't a serial winner when he came to Celtic. But you know, you've talked in the past that they need to bring in an elite manager to spend the, the January budget on it. Did you tell Eddie Howe an elite manager? Uh, well, you know, you know, Jim Orr came on and asked the question, "What is an elite manager?" Uh, and I thought that was quite a good question because you know it's a it's a term these days, Lawrence, that people throw about all the time, isn't it? In football, elite academies, elite clubs, elite managers. Um, you've, for me, you've got to be a winner. I think that that's imperative. You've got to be a winner before. Now, Brent Rogers wasn't a winner. He might have sold yep. himself as a winner. He might have had the winning smile, um, you know, but he wasn't a winner. 
But at that time, he certainly was the right man for Celtic. You know, Ronnie was a winner before he came in. Hmm? You know, uh, Ronnie was a winner before he came in. Yeah. You know, he was a winner when he was here. He was an up-and-coming uh, coach, highly rated. Um, you know, Man City were looking to to get him involved in the academy at Manchester City. Uh, Ronnie Dyla was on the, the radar of many clubs all over Europe. Um, it was something of a coup when Celtic brought him in. I think the biggest mistake they made was they made him the manager. That was the biggest uh, mistake with Ronnie Dyla. I think bring him in, but he should never have been the manager. I'm not too sure. I, mean, I, I like what Ronnie, I think he'd done a lot for development of young players. Uh, he called time on at the end. Again, that was a division between players and managers that I think it ended Ronnie's time. But Martin O'Neill, I think Martin's time's come and gone. Uh, you know, I liked it when he was manager. I don't, I wouldn't have Martin back. Gordon Strachan. I loved, I loved, I loved O'Neill's time at Celtic. I loved yeah, Martin brilliant. O'Neill. You know, and he went on. He did, he did well at Aston Villa, but. I was of the same view as yourself and Kevin Graham whose name's just popped up on the screen actually says to me well think back to what you said about Martinez and Maloney if if you took O'Neill with Maloney would you take that as a partnership I think my biggest concern is Martin O'Neill comes in with, with someone like Roy Keane and I just think that's the worst case scenario um, that we could possibly face but if he was to come in with, with someone like Maloney who's an up and coming coach one of the most highly rated coaches in European football started off at Celtic would he leave Belgium I hear all that um, I think Belgium have got one game in the next so many months <laughs> I mean we're at that stage Lawrence where we need to do something and that something isn't I've seen so many people saying Alex Neil. I've mentioned Alex Neil a few times not for me Jack Ross I rate him highly but for Celtic no thanks you know, I think we need to get... The, the O'Neill thing is, you've got the familiarity, you know what it is to be a Celtic manager and what the, the club demands and what the fan demands, and you've got the coach. Because O'Neill is not then dealing with the players day-to-day, he never did. You know, you, yep. you speak to Sutton and Hartson, and O'Neill never did treat, you know deal with the players day-to-day, did he? No, uh, but no, O'Neill, I don't know if he'd be my first choice. I, I don't think Strax would come back, Strachan, because last time I spoke to him, I, when we were at things we were allowed to attend Celtic nights you know in, in person Strachan said he's lost the anger to be a football manager so it's not for him maybe that's changed maybe he's watching the Celtic performance he's getting angry I don't know I would hope so uh, if we're going to bring in a big name manager how long is it for is it to the end of the season is there a pl- was there already a plan then for the end of the 10 ah uh, well as far as we're aware, there, there was. Uh, it doesn't look as though there's much planning uh, going on at the moment, but, you know, we'll wait and see. Kevin Graham does say how. Seemed to suggest last night that he, he wanted to get back into the EPL. I seem to remember a, a lot of talk going on today about Brennan Rodgers, but an interview with Brennan Rodgers, yeah, maybe a week or two weeks before he took the Celtic job, uh, maybe two or three weeks before, actually, and he said exactly the same thing Yeah, as, Ed, as um, Eddie Howe did last night. And where's Brendan now? Well, he'll be thinking he's going for the Champions League in the, the Premier League down in England, but ah, you know where he is now. Um, he's in the EPL. Yeah, but, but you know, he, he done what, you know, what players seem to do, you know, he uses a stepping stone. So maybe that's attractive to how. Great but, point. Brilliant point. You know, you, you, no. You, there's no loyalty in football. So could how come up and go, right, what, what's he got left six, seven months of this season? Is it Would he then be more attractive if he came up and... Won a quadruple, a quintuple treble. 
and ten in a row. Maybe, you know, down there. Is there, a, there are other managers that would look at it during that time? What about po Pochettino from you know, Spurs? Would he come up for that period of time? I think it's an interesting. I think it's an excellent point. Um, Kevin Graham's saying about Eddie Howe last night, and absolutely, Eddie Howe's talking about a future in the, the EPL. I've then referenced the fact Brennan Rogers said exactly the same. I wish I could find the interview footage. I think he was running a marathon or something. And they pulled him aside and they asked him. Yep. And that, that was his view. He wanted EPL, but he saw the Celtic job as that stepping stone to kind of build his reputation back up so that he could get a job. I mean, he was never going to be walking back to the level that he left in terms of Liverpool. He was never going to walk back to get back to that level whilst he was unemployed. So I think it's a good point, Lawrence. A yep. very good point. Something we need to consider. Brendan maybe be thinking that Liverpool will never get back to the Brendan level. You know, it's, it's all about Brendan. I'm bringing this up from Mark because I love Mark's contribution uh, on the socials and also on YouTube. Yosser Hughes, I don't know if that's a reference to you. Uh, this is a 1980s <laughs> reference, but thanks for bringing that to my mind. Keys a job. <laughs> yep, keys a job, yeah. There's plenty, out there, that uh, there's plenty out there who need a job. And by the way, uh, will Celtic be employing one of them? Uh, there we go, who knows. Uh, but thanks everybody for getting involved today. It's, it's, it's been busy over the last few days because there's a lot of emotion flying about in among Celtic fans, Lawrence, and that's understandable. What we hopefully do on a Celtic state of mind is give as many fans as possible a platform. Uh, we're constantly fighting against moderation in terms of comments uh, and, and, you know, it's almost a full-time job. But thanks everybody for uh, getting involved today via... Uh, Twitter, Facebook and on YouTube. If you haven't already, please subscribe. We've got a massive charity weekend coming up on the 19th and 20th. Loads of more names uh, to be confirmed. Uh, it's going to be a proper festival really that weekend. Hopefully it's going to be uh, a victorious quadruple treble weekend as well. But all that's left for me to say today, Lawrence Connolly, thank you once again for joining me on a Celtic State of Mind, sir. Thanks. Keep safe, What's up, guys? This is MMA fighter Clay Guida, and I'm not afraid of anyone or anything, but losing my hair was an entirely different kind of fight. So if you're suffering from hair loss like I was, then you got to check out my boys at Bosley. Pound for pound, they are the champions of hair restoration. That's why I turned to Bosley to get my hair back. The entire Bosley team was so professional and kind from start to finish. All it took was a simple one-day procedure, and I was on my way back to rocking my full hair again. So take it from me. Don't wait if you are thinning or receding. I'm so thrilled with my results, I just wish I would have went to Bosley sooner. It's time to finally knock out hair loss because the best is yet to come. Check out Bosley today. When MMA fighter Clay Guida was losing his hair, he trusted Bosley to get it back. Now it's your turn. Get a free information kit, plus get a $250 off gift card when you text SCORE to 203203. That's text SCORE to 203203. Don't wait. Text SCORE to 203203. 
It's the Marketer's Report. This week, Patrizia Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on the difficult task of building and retaining consumer trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy. And we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. The best thing for us to do is to build a relationship with our consumers. And if those consumers have a relationship with the DJs that are on air, then we want to build on that. House of the Dragon, which was one of our most successful, if not the most successful campaign we've ever done for a show, audio was a core part of that. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. Not just a media company, iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Sports Social Podcast Network. 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 Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.